I keep hearing the Lord say, are you hungry? Are you hungry? said it all throughout worship. He says it even now. Are you hungry? For Jesus said, those who are hungry will be filled. Those who are thirsty will be satisfied. He was talking about, if you seek him, you will find him. If you want him, all we do is take a step. He said, if you take a step toward me, I'll take a step toward you. Do you want him? Are you hungry? We have been a hungry church for a while. We have been desiring him for a while. Notice he said... Are you hungry? Finished. He didn't say, Are you hungry for three years? Are you hungry for three months? Because that's all it takes. Is If you're just hungry for a week, well, then God just floods you with everything. No, see, what He really does is He looks at your heart. And he really sees how hungry you are. The thing he keeps impressing on me is we cannot hide who we are to him. See, we can't hide the intents of our heart to him. We might be able to fool each other to a certain extent. But even that comes to an end. Because in a place that wants God's will in a place that declares His will to be done, guess what? His will gets done. His will gets done if you say in your own life, if you wake up every morning and say, God, Your will be done in my life today. If you declare that every morning, I'm going to guarantee something to you. I won't guarantee timing. Timing's all God's. But I will guarantee one thing. That His will will be done in your life. Because you have asked for it and you've declared it. Oftentimes when we do that, we're kind of thinking, well, we kind of know this path, we know this roadway, right? Lord, Your will be done. And we start stepping this way. And He says, whoa, hold on. Hold on. If you really want my will to be done, then let me turn you and point you in this direction. It's like, wait a second, Lord, I I didn't study that map. (laughs) I don't know that direction. And he goes, yeah, I know. Because I need you to trust me in each step. Not just the overall look, but each step. So are you hungry? Are you hungry? Man, I love, I love, love, love what God does. Because in my own life, He asked me the same thing, and I I said, I'm hungry, Lord. I want to know what you want. I want to know what you have. Show me, and I'm I'm in his word every day, and and I'm searching him out every day, and, and, and as it gets closer to Sunday, it's like, yeah, okay. What do you have for them? What do you have for me? And he says, just wait, just trust me. And then in the third song today, 
He gives me a passage. He says, this is what I have. See, He lets me feed just like you guys feed. He lets me absorb just like you guys get to absorb. I'm no different. The words that you hear are the words for me just like they are for you. I love that. I love that. Scared me at first. Scared me at first. Because when I started, when the Lord told me that I would be a preacher, (laughs) that was like the last thing in the world I wanted to be, wanted to do. I said, God, I don't know how to prepare all that stuff. I'm not really a good studier. How many, how many in school cram everything in the night before a test? Okay, see, I would get along with all those who raised their hand. You do get along with us. <laughs> yes, I do. That's, that's how it was with me. I'll learn. I, I still got time. I still got time. I'll, I'll start about 10 o'clock at night and I'll just do an all-nighter. And then, and it'll be so fresh in my mind the next day that I'll do, and by the way, it worked. I don't remember any of it now, but it worked at the time. So the thought process of, of actually putting something together that I was responsible for to give out to all of you, that scared me to death. I'll never forget because I hold him to it every week. He told me, I will never leave your mouth empty. If you trust me, I'll speak. And I'll never leave your mouth empty. So I I love what he does. One thing he did show me, and by the way, I I, want to apologize for those online. It's really not an apology, but it's just an explanation. When, When it comes to be about 15 after 11 and we're not on yet, it's because Holy Spirit is just doing something powerful in worship. And you just have to wait. <laughs> it was powerful this morning. It was all about being hungry. Now, hopefully soon enough we'll be able to get the equipment to actually have the, the worship sound good online. That's why we don't put the worship online. Because uh, we don't have the proper equipment for it. But, but we will. I wanted to read, before we get into the passage that he gave me, passages he gave me, I want to read something that, that came, and I know many of you follow Lana. Uh, she, she's a, a prophet out of Australia that, that we have followed uh, for several years, since the beginning of this, really. And, and, and she has been, whether she realizes it or not, she has been part of Ignition, and, and literally her prophecies have been like she was sitting right here with us. But, but she had one this week that was such an encouragement to me. And I'm sure that, that some, some of you uh, read this, but perhaps most have not. And, and I just want to read it. It's a little bit long, but, you know, it will take five minutes to read it. And I think it'll be an encouragement to you because what God is doing in this work, we need to keep that focus before us, keep that, that, that desire for His will again waking up every day, every day and not just saying your will for my life, but your will for this church. 
We, we pray that every night on the prayer call. Your will be done in this country. Oh man, hold on to your hats. Nobody's wearing a hat, but if you had a hat, hold on to it. You watch what happens over the next few weeks in this country. You watch what happens, even has already happened, but happening through the month of May. It's a birthday present for me and Josh. And there you go. How many have birthdays in May? Okay, there are four of us. We are so blessed. We are a blessed people. Five counting Beth. Yes, and we miss Beth this morning. Hi, Beth. I don't know if she's watching live or if she'll watch later, but hi, Beth, later. We need to pray for her. She is, uh, uh, she is battling. There's sickness at her work, and uh, she's been feeling the strain of that. So anyways, I want to read this and pray it'll be encouraging to you as it was to me. Father, I pray, Lord, as we go through the rest of this morning, Father, that I submit my mouth to you. I give my lips to you, my mouth to you, my will to you. I give my hands, my feet to you. I ask your will be done this morning as you as you speak, speak through me. Allow none of my own words to filter through, but only yours. Father, and we love and trust you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, listen close. I know it's a little bit long, but... The pioneers, the forerunners. By the way, any time she starts talking about pioneers, I know it's directly about us. The pioneers, the forerunners, the trailblazers. They are moving with the leading of the Holy Spirit to create his pathway and break through in new ways. There is a great birthing these pioneers are now walking into. They are exploring new lands, conquering new places, and they are actively running, stewarding, and releasing the new move of the Holy Spirit in these terrains that have not been forged or plowed before. But a warning for the pioneers. Don't rush ahead. I saw there was a warning, an invitation being released from the heart of God to the pioneers to remain in the place of rest. The place of rest being the place of being led by His Spirit. I saw a tremendous temptation in the Spirit in this season of acceleration and increase to run ahead of what God is doing. To attempt to build things before His timing or to implement things before His unction out of passion and excitement. The Lord loves the passion and excitement of his pioneers, but he wants the excitement and passion to be coupled with surrender, yieldedness, and sensitivity to his timing and his leading. For the impartation, the revelation and manifestation that is being released to the pioneers in this season is on a greater scale than many have experienced or carried before. And the heart of the Lord is that the pioneers steward the increase well, with humility, integrity, and sensitivity to His leading. In the encounters I have had with the Lord lately concerning the pioneers amongst others, I have felt a weightiness in the spirit that I have not felt before. That what is releasing now is so precious. It is so weighty 
It is so valuable. The Lord is looking for the pioneers who will steward it well and release it with integrity. The place of humility and yieldedness to Him and to His timing, His ways and His strategies is the key to entering into this deeper place of revelation of His heart and secrets. The Library of Heaven. I had a powerful encounter with the Lord recently. In this encounter, I saw Jesus, and He was inviting the pioneers into the most beautiful room in the Library of Heaven. The interesting thing about this room in the Library of Heaven was that the door was very small. The door was tiny. So to enter into this room and to move into the invitation the Lord was releasing, there was a significant call to lay down and go low. There was a deeper place of surrender, humility, and yieldedness to the Lord that had taken place. It is not a place of striving to be humble, but a recognition that He is Lord and we are not. He is the one who we hand the reins over to, to lead, to guide, to speak. We hand the reins of timing over to Him. We hand the reins of the way over to Him. We hand the reins of how things are built over to Him. It was a place of such deeper surrender to Jesus and trusting Him in His way and timing. The beautiful thing is that I could feel so strongly in the invitation to continue to lie down and go low is the plans, purposes, and manifestation of what he is building is bigger than what is even being dreamt about by the pioneers. I watched as those pioneers who were living in that place of surrender, humility, and the secret place were entering into in through this tiny door. The room they were invited into in this season was a room that had a wall-to-wall bookshelves as high as the eye could see. Huge ladders up to the top shelves, and there were so many books everywhere. Jesus stood in the middle of the room at a large golden table, and he was smiling. Behind this huge golden table was a red chair. And as the pioneers that had accepted his invitation one by one entered in, I heard the loudest declaration booming from his heart so strongly it could have crumbled a mountain in a moment. The declaration was, Call to me and I will answer you and tell you and even show you great and mighty things. Things which have been confined and hidden, which you do not know and understand and cannot distinguish. That was from Jeremiah 33.3. My heart was so moved by what I heard, so moved by what I was seeing take place. The invitation to the pioneers in this season, those that have been living not for the praise of man, not to build their own ministry, not to self-promote, not in striving, but in rest and deep intimacy with Him, were being invited into a place of hearing and seeing His heart and secrets unlike anything they had experienced before. 
This place was precious. It was weighty. It was a place where the Lord was about to reveal things which had been confined and hidden and release greater clarity, wisdom, strategy, and revelation of what He is doing, what He is dreaming about, what He is saying, and what is to come. This place was not entered into lightly. It was a place of seeing and hearing the depths of His heart. A most trusted place that the friends of God were accessing. I saw Jesus pull down a large book from the shelf and engraved in gold on the front of this large brown leather book was Jeremiah 33.3. Jesus invited the pioneers to come and take their seat. Instantly, I felt his presence so heavily. It almost made me tremble and I knew a deep shift was taking place in the spirit over the pioneers who had entered in. Not just this invitation into the most precious place of all. The deeper place of receiving the revelations and secrets of his heart. But a greater awakening and manifestation of the power of the pioneers taking their seat. Such a great awakening of Ephesians 2.6. He raised up, he raised us up with Christ, the exalted one, and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For we are now co-seated as one with Christ. And that is Ephesians 2.6. Suddenly, the knowing surrounded me, the chair being read, The place Jesus purchased for us by His blood. To take our seat with Him in oneness, seated in heavenly places. In this season of encounter with Jesus for the pioneer, pioneers, in one of these rooms in the library of heaven, was releasing a greater awakening awakening to their authority and seated place with Christ. They took their seat and opened this huge book. The pages were filled with writing. The writing, when I looked at it, was written on the page. But as I looked at each line, it was as though I could not only see the words on the page, but each line had a depth that I could see down deep into what looked like rivers of pure, flowing, living water. There was such an incredible sense of drinking in the revelation he was releasing and thirsting no more for anything else but him. Each word almost shouted, As you drink this water, you will never thirst again. The fountain that will never run dry, yet each drink you take, you will become thirstier and thirstier for Jesus to know him. And to know his word. I noticed that engraved on every page was 1 Corinthians 2.10. Which says. But God now unveils these profound realities to us by the spirit. Yes he has revealed to us his inmost heart. And deepest mysteries. Through the Holy Spirit who constantly explores all things. 
There was a great unveiling of revelation taking place. A depth of revelation of the inmost parts of his heart and deepest mysteries. And it was all founded and flowing from him. Jesus Christ in every word deeply rooted, grounded, founded, flowing and released from the word of God. Linger in this library. For the last year or so I've been having profound encounters with the Lord regarding the Lord looking for those who will linger with Him. Over a year ago, the Lord came to me powerfully in a dream. And for hours upon hours in my dream, He asked, Where are those who will linger? Where are those who will linger? For those who linger, I will entrust the secrets of my heart. This has been a word I impacted, this is a, has been a word in, that impacted me deeply and I have been carrying it ever since. He is looking for those who will linger with him, his friends, those who will sit with him to be with him. In this encounter I heard the Lord say, linger in the library. In this season of encounter in one of the library rooms of heaven, Don't rush to get out. For there is not just one book the Lord is opening. There are many. He has many things to show you. Many things to reveal. And in the temptation to rush from this place or be distracted or prioritize other things above this place of encounter, it will hinder the revelation flow of what He wants to release. So do whatever you have to do in this season to linger in the library. The Lord also asked me a question. Lana, in libraries in the world, or in libraries in the natural, what is the atmosphere established? I replied, quietness, reflection, reading, meditation, absorbing. He replied, then how much more in the library room of heaven? The Lord was inviting his pioneers into a deeper place of lingering, a deeper place of quietness before him, being with him, meditating upon what he is saying, delighting in his presence and hearing his heart. It was a place of encounter and conversing with him. But I felt the focus the Lord was bringing was upon a heart attitude Before him, the position of rest, quietness, to hear and to receive. The depth of intimacy being entered into this place was a place that had not been encountered before. Such a deep place that the pioneers were even being left speechless by what he was speaking, releasing and revealing. Such beautiful, heavy Weighty awe of God encounters. I then felt Isaiah thirty fifteen all around me. A greater level of trust and strength was coming to the pioneers. In quietness and trust is your strength. Isaiah thirty fifteen. The wolves have been prowling, but stay under the canopy of my word. He then spoke again. The enemy has been coming against you to muzzle you, 
to silence you, to stop you, to contain you, and to prevent you in this season. The enemy has come like a wolf to bring such deep fear, growling with his vicious lies, growling to the cloud, to cloud the atmosphere, growling to interfere with you hearing from me, to create greater static and twisting of what I am saying, to hinder the fruit I am growing, the strategy I am releasing to you, and the increase of encounter, visitation, and revelation that you have been invited into in this place. This place represents you, my precious pioneers, stepping into more, more than you have ever known or imagined. But it all flows from who I am, my heart and my word. The shift has begun in the very confusion the enemy has attempted to bring upon you. That very confusion will now be sent upon him as you step deeper into my rivers of revelation. But you must stay under the canopy of my word. Do not move from my word. Stay covered, sheltered, and immersed in my word in this this place and watch and see how the wolves will be chased away. Deception and lies will flee and you will move into deeper realms of my truth. These wolves have come and made noise, attempting to hinder this season of revelation and encounter, but they will not be able to keep up with the revelation I I will release to you in this library room of heaven. And the increased favor that will flow from these encounters in this room. From this place of deep encounters with me in this library room of heaven, you will receive such deep revelation of my heart and my word that what I have asked you to place your hands upon in the natural with me in this season and build and forge the new pathways, new ground, new lands, new territories, will see a major increase of your authority and my favor resound upon you louder than ever. Where the enemy has come with his army like wolves growling, I have been releasing my angelic hosts into your lives with shofars to herald, loudly accompanied with my decree in this battle. And the atmosphere and airwaves are being cleared. They are being cleared so that you will hear clearly and in deeper ways, and move into this season of the greatest awakening of hearing my voice, and know the power of my voice, and the secrets of my heart. Pioneers, there has been a great battle over many of you, and what you carry, and what the Lord has you foregoing, forerunning, releasing, the new land, the new places, the new assignments. But take heart. For the invitation upon you into the library room of heaven to access the secrets of his heart and revelation he is wanting to release is profound. It's a new place. It's a new pathway of his heart. It's a place where you will not only come alive in greater ways to what he has called you to do and release, but also release to others. 
The encounters you will have with Jesus in this library room of heaven will release greater strength, refreshing and insight to you for this season and beyond. The word of the Lord to you in this place will break the confines that have held you down and move you into a deeper place of carrying his heart. Take not this invitation lightly. Take not this season lightly. Take not this place of revelation lightly. For you are being invited into a place of receiving a greater increase in the great greatest treasure of all, his heart. His heart for you, for people, for places, for cities, for nations. He doesn't release the secrets of his heart cheaply. He's looking for pioneers who will steward his heart with integrity, purity, and not use his heart or the revelations he releases for personal gain or impure motives. He's looking for his friends to come closer to him. What a precious and profound invitation being released to the pioneers. May all enter in through their surrender and yieldedness to Jesus. Humility is the key. What awaits you in this room, in the library of heaven, will leave you forever changed, undone by the privilege of what he is inviting you into. May the prayer be, Lord, help me steward your heart well. Father, we declare that we stand in agreement with that word. We desire every piece of it in Jesus' name. Because what is promised is your Son. And a closer walk and a closer understanding of Him. We receive it in Jesus' name. Are you hungry? See, if you're hungry, you'll be satisfied. You'll be fed. You'll be satisfied. There, there's, there's a fine line between seeking the knowledge of God, seeking prophecy, so we can see where we're going. Okay? And, and that's, that's, a, that's a typical, I'm going to say a mistake. I do it. I know everybody does it. I want prophecy so I can see where I'm going. But you know what? That's not why God gives prophecy. He gives prophecy so we can see his heart. So we can see his love. So we can see his desire for us to spend time with us, to know his heart more. That's what the scripture is all about. To know his heart more. He already knows your heart. With the relationship part, we got catching up to do. (laughs) We have to go after him with everything that we are. And I I don't, I don't think it's, it's a mistake or, or a coincidence. First of all, I don't believe in coincidence, but I don't think it's a mistake or a coincidence that this word came out right when we're about to start this fast. Are you hungry?
And by the way, I don't mean physically hungry. When I ask that in a few weeks, you're going to be physically hungry. (laughs) I'm physically hungry right now. I forgot to have breakfast. My stomach's growling. If, If this were down here, you'd hear it. But are you hungry for him? Are you hungry for him? See, that that's what this is all about. And, and this idea of going deep with him is the idea of going into deep relationship with him. Right? But there's a cost to that. Even, even as Lana said in her word there, there's a great cost to it. Because literally we have to lose ourselves or what we think we are so that He can work in our lives. So that He can permeate every piece of who we are and what we think about. I want you to turn. Scripture He gave me this morning was John chapter 3. And the setup of this is John the Baptist who who came before the Lord, before Jesus, and he was the he was heralding the coming of Christ. That that at some point, while he was preaching, Christ would come, the Messiah would come. That was John's whole job. And 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 by the way, this this was a man that was really not afraid of anything. Except the Lord. The only thing he was afraid of is that he would not do the will of God. And he lived every day of his life like that. So John chapter 3, we're going to start at verse 29. Says, the one who is the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly. At the bridegroom's voice. Therefore this joy of mine is now complete. Because this was after he knew he was there. Verse 30 is what I want to concentrate on. He must increase. But I must decrease. He must increase. But I must decrease. John went on and said, He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God For he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God remains on him. Again, verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. See, John laid out a pattern. A pattern for intimacy with Christ. A pattern for us to follow today. If we want God's will for our lives. If all you want is a good life. If all you want is, God, just give me a good job. 
Give me a good car. Give me some good friends. Give me, give me a good spouse. Give me, give me good kids. Especially when they become teenagers. And if that's all you want in life, you're barely tapping into who he is. Now it's scary to look and, and say it a little differently. God, I want what you want in a family. I want what you want in a career. I want what you want in my kids. I want what you want in everything. See, if that's the case, then you must die and Jesus must increase. We have to get ourselves out of the way for Jesus to increase in us because there's only so much space. And when our will takes up all the space, it pushes Him out. Even if we accept Him a little bit. I must decrease so that He can increase. Are you hungry? Are you hungry? If you're hungry, then you say yes. You say yes to that. You say yes to the understanding that we must decrease so He can increase. You know what's awesome about that though? When He increases, and what He does, what He does, He's doing it through us. So we get to be a part of it. It's not like we're just killing ourselves and saying, okay, Lord, here, you, you have my life. Well, okay, life's over now. No, he needs a living being that is yielded to him and say, do your work through me. We get to be there for every part of it. Not only that, we get to enjoy the fellowship of being there with him. I can tell you firsthand, the awesome power of sitting back and watching Jesus Christ speak through me when I preach. See, it's not me speaking. I'm sitting on the couch in a comfortable chair, listening. See, when you let Jesus do what He wants to in your life, you don't have to take on the burden and carry the burden that you have to do everything. He never expected that. That's why he says, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter the giftings you have. It doesn't matter, Greg, if you were not a preacher. It doesn't matter if you were a singer or you built houses or whatever. I want you to preach. See, it doesn't matter. Why? Because if I decrease, he can increase and do it through me. I just give him a vessel. That's it. Are you hungry? If you're hungry, you'll give him your vessel to use how he wants to. And I'll tell you what, it's going to blow you away. It's going to blow you away what he does. It's going to blow you away what he does in intimacy between you and him. But there's a cost. It takes sacrifice to decrease. To decrease who I am requires a sacrifice. One of the, one of the biggest sacrifices 
Outside of giving your life, of course. But one of the biggest sacrifices we see in the Word of God is fasting. How many in here like to fast? Wow, there's three of you. Four of you. Okay, we need to talk. (laughs) Because there is nothing natural about that, okay? (laughs) Fasting is a difficult thing. Now, Now, by the way, I don't mean do you like the results of the fast. What it, what it brings you in your in your in your spiritual walk and and whatever I'm talking about? Do you enjoy sitting there? And and by the way, what is it with TV? When you fast, and when do you tell me if I'm if I'm lying at all here? When you fast, why is it that every commercial is about food? <laughs> I don't notice that otherwise. It's it's like I'm fasting. I'm on the fourth day of a fast, and and we got you know one of my favorite restaurants comes up, and and it's got this big old ribeye steak, and I'm like, they made that commercial just to irritate me. <laughs> See, fasting's difficult. Giving things up in our in our flesh is difficult. You know, Jesus. What was the first thing he did? Before he even went into ministry, he was baptized. And boom, if you read it, it says he was compelled immediately by the Holy Spirit to go into the wilderness and fast. Now, by the way, uh, he did a tougher fast than I've ever done. I, I only found two people that have done this kind of fast for 40 days. It was Jesus and Moses where they fasted with no water. I don't even think that's humanly possible. It's not. I mean, you, you talk, to, to, talk to these people that, that are these survivalists, and they say basically three days without water, and your body starts to, I don't know, fall apart, decompose, whatever, whatever it does. <laughs> I'm decomposing. I don't know. Maybe maybe you become the dust that you are. Right? We are dust. Take water out of mud and it's dust. What a huge sacrifice. That's what Jesus did immediately. Why? Because he wanted the will of the Father. He understood it would take sacrifice. For the Father to to do His will through Him, to use Him however He wanted, He had to give it to Him. Do you think it was not... Oftentimes we think, well, yeah, but He's God. You know, couldn't He just command His stomach not to feel hungry? He didn't have to deal... I will say this, He didn't have to deal with the commercials. (laughs) But maybe He had visions. I don't know. Maybe all of a sudden he's having a vision of a ribeye steak. Do you get the impression I like ribeye steak? No, but he went and he sacrificed immediately. Why? Because it pushed everything out of the way so that the Father and him could have a connection. It's the same for us. When we go on this fast... If you're looking at this fast, and, and, I, and I hope that you would pray what the Lord wants through this fast. Don't just decide, well, you know what, I, I, this is what I did at the last 40-day fast. I'll do that again. 
You know, I'll give up my, my, my weekly show that I really like. Again, let's, let's talk. <laughs> because that might be a sacrifice. But it's a sacrifice that is supposed to keep Jesus on your mind constantly. Why do you think that it's food? Because you want it. You want food. If I don't eat, I think about it constantly. The longer I don't eat, the more constantly I think about it. I'm reminded that my stomach, although it's really nice to kind of lose the weight down there, but my stomach, it's empty. It's growling. It's in the way because it's so noisy. Jesus, I gave this to you. Thank you for the hunger. The hunger reminds me that I'm hungry for you. You know, it's extraordinary. You look at the times in the Bible where, where fastings took place, and I won't take the time to, to go to each one. But look at what happened. When Moses, he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. What was produced out of that? The law. The law. The, the intimacy that was required for that law to be put onto the, to the stones. That intimacy had to be where it, it, Moses was fully decreased. Where, where, full, where Moses had given everything for the Lord to speak and to do His will. Another one is Daniel. Daniel in chapter 10 of Daniel. Yeah, I think chapter 10 of Daniel. When he had received this vision and he understood the vision. That's what the scripture says. He understood it. And he was so overtaken by it, overwhelmed by it, because it was a vision of the end of the world. He, he, he was overwhelmed. And so he went to prayer and to fasting. Not so he could understand it better. But because he immediately thought that was what was in for them right then. He went to the Lord and he was going to be the stopgap for Israel. And he was praying and he was fasting. He was bringing himself to an intimacy with God that would demand an answer. And that's when Gabriel came. Right? He came after three weeks. And he said, on the first day, your prayer was answered, and I was sent. But he met resistance. The prince of Persia, you know him as the destroyer. And Michael had to come and help fight for Gabriel to get to give the word to Daniel. See, when you fast, you're not just fasting for yourself. You are interceding for others. You're fasting for this work. You're fasting for the overall bride. You're fasting for God to do His will in this country. 
your intimacy with Jesus Christ has a greater impact than you will ever know. But see, it's important that you do it right. It's important that you you don't take it lightly. That you don't write down the parameters of what you think you can handle. I encourage you, go to God and say, what do you want? Because I promise you, He will take you beyond what you think you can handle. I promise you that. Don't be afraid of it. By the way, I'm speaking to myself. Because what he's told me, I can tell you right now I can't handle. I don't want to handle. I know the commercials are just going to increase. But I want him. See, I'm hungry. I want him to do his will in my life. I want him to use my life. And the more that I can give him a purified heart and a purified life, the more he can do his will in my life. And not just to affect me, but to affect others. To affect the bride as a whole. See, we have a responsibility for that. For that, God has opened doors for us. We have, we have doors opened in Africa and Nigeria that, that the enemy has been trying to close. I think I mentioned it Tuesday. Because I believe it was Monday night. I think. Maybe I mentioned it. I can't remember. Might have been Saturday night. Did I mention it on Sunday? About the attack. Where, where, we, where we are. In Nigeria, yes. Okay, 35 people were killed. 20 more are missing. They don't know if they're alive or dead. Hundreds and hundreds displaced because their village was burned down. What we you, you hear me talk about Kuduku all the time. And those of us who have been to Kuduku, you know where I'm talking about. We can't go there anymore. At least right now. All the 15 pastors that we worked with there are gone from there. The the whole place was was destroyed. And I was talking to Andrew, he has so many people in his house. Because now Kaduku was an hour and a half away. This last one, Kaduku happened at the beginning of the year. There were 72 people killed then. But this last one that happened this past week, that was just outside of where we are in McCurdy. See, the enemy is stepping up his game because he's afraid. And I'll tell you what he's afraid of. He's afraid because he knows what God wants to do. He certainly knows what God can do. What he's afraid of is that God will have Christians willing to let him do it. To draw on that intimacy of relationship with Jesus Christ to the point where Jesus Christ can do whatever he wants. See, that means we can't be distracted by this life. We can't be distracted by things that make us worry. We can't be distracted by things that take us off the course of that intimacy with him. It's dangerous to do that. It's dangerous for you. There is 
a right and a wrong way to go after him. I'm just going to read this real quick. In Isaiah 58. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close, but although I, I will remind everybody we don't have a we don't have a schedule. Isaiah chapter 58. Basically, Israel at this point was fasting. Right? They're fasting, supposedly crying out to God. You know, trying to make things look good. And this is prophesied about them. Verse 1, cry aloud, do not hold back, lift up your voice like a trumpet, declare to my people their transgression. God is saying that to Isaiah. To the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me, this is Israel, yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. They say, why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? And Jesus' answer is, behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose a day for a person to humble himself? This is what the fast is to look like. It is to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him. Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Again, this is the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of wickedness. Now look at how this looks instead. This is a fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. It's kind of like him saying, I'll have your back. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and He will say, Here I am. I want to go back to the last part of verse 7. And not to hide yourself from your own flesh. See, when I first read that, I couldn't understand what it was meaning, because if you take it right off of what was being said before, it was, you know, when you see the nakedness to cover them in a friend, okay? By the way, when you see the exposing of sin in a friend, you cover, you cover them in love. You don't go gossip about it. You go help them. 
And so I, I figured it had to do something with that. And, and in a way it does. But what the Lord laid on my heart, where it says, and not hide yourself from your own flesh, put it in the perspective of a fast. How often in a fast do we do something just to get through it? Do we literally bring something else in our life so we could get our mind through that time? Well, I know that, that usually between 7 o'clock and 9 o'clock at night, that's when it's the worst for me with the fast. So, man, here's a great movie. I'm going to throw this movie in because if I could keep my mind focused on the movie, I won't think of my stomach and then I could go to sleep and I'm done, I'm good. And then I'll deal with it again tomorrow. How often do we do that? Do we try to hide the symptoms or the effect of this fast in our own lives so that we can just get through it? Oh man, don't do that. Don't do that because what you end up doing is, is you end up taking what God had for you and missing it or ignoring it. A fast is supposed to hurt. It's supposed to be difficult. The sacrifice that we make is supposed to be difficult. Now, by the way, I know there are people in here that can't do certain things. You know, I mean, if Carson, Carson lives on a fast. Right? There, there are certain things that, that, that certain people cannot do. That's not what I'm talking about. But understand, you know, the Lord will speak to you and show you what that sacrifice is to be. Because it's supposed to be a sacrifice. But I think there are so many of us that say, well, this is something I can't do, or I don't think I can do because I've never done it. I can't imagine it. I can't wrap my, my, my arms around it. So it's just not even in the realm of my thinking. And I want to encourage you Stop that. Lord's not going to kill you. Lord's not going to lead you to do something that will bring harm to you. So your trick is knowing what he wants. In the same respect, don't go, okay, 40 days, I'm going to not eat and I'm not going to drink any water. Okay, that's awesome if that's what God's telling you to do. But don't just assume that. Well, I know this I can't do, so that's what I'm going to do. Do you see how you're going into it with a balance of pride? You're going into it with a haughtiness, thinking that my accomplishment of this is what's going to bring on the blessing of God. And that, again, is not what fasting is. Fasting is listening to Him. See, I, I keep, I keep asking him, show me. Show me what you want me to do this time. Show me what you want. Why? Because that's the key to hearing his voice. I want the intimacy that it's going to bring. Look what it did for Jesus. He and the Father were one. But yet he said, we could do the same thing. 
Because if we become one with Jesus, Jesus is in the Father. We are in the Father as one. So the very same thing that Jesus did, we could do. Look what he did with Moses. Look what he did with Daniel. And there's so many examples of fasting. Jesus said of that that boy who they couldn't cast out the demonic spirit. He said, you know, there's certain levels of warfare that you can't just walk up to and deal with. It has to come through prayer. It has to come through fasting. By the way, that doesn't mean that, okay, well, this one requires prayer. Okay, let's pray and then it'll be gone. See, the intense there, the the structure there, is that of one who lives in a state of prayer. Who lives in a state of sacrifice. There are levels of warfare that you will encounter that this church is absolutely called to and is engaged in that requires that, that living in that sacrificial state constantly. I'm not saying we constantly fast. Text Roadhouse would go broke. I'm saying we're in a place of wanting that intimacy with him and willing to pay any price for it. See, there are levels in what Christ wants for your life, for this church, that we cannot get there without prayer and fasting. If you are one that just cannot fast, you cannot make a sacrifice, you're never going to get there. Do you understand? Because we're no different than each other. If Jesus sacrificed on the cross everything for us, why would we be so haughty to think that it would not cost us everything to be with him? To have intimacy with him. For him to be our best friend. So I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you as we... Basically, we start two weeks from tomorrow. And Bryn texted me this past week. And I I just really felt the same way she did. It's like, man, I don't want to wait two weeks. I I want to start tomorrow. And, and by the way, not to get it over with. Because I, I want to be close to him now. I don't want to, I, I want to draw close to him now. I don't want to have to wait two weeks for it. But the Lord told me there's some things we need to plan. We need to know. Today was part of that. We've got to know what he wants. Don't go into this half-hearted. Don't go into this. Be thinking of this. That's why we have these weeks of preparation. Next week, we're going to be talking about, I believe, goals of that. What does it look like? What are we going to the Lord for? So take this time to really seek God in what he wants from you. From you personally. To bring your relationship with him to a level you've never experienced before. Just like Lana said in her word to the pioneers. This place of intimacy in that library room. 
of this closeness that we've never experienced. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we worship you and we praise you. God, you're so good. And Lord, we give you our everything. We give you our yes. And we know that that means stepping in places that are going to be difficult. Even for this fast coming up. But God, we trust in what you want. I declare that as you show us what you want for this, we will do it. I pray that as we seek you individually, you'll show us what you want for us individually. What sacrifice you want us to step out into. Lord, we love you and thank you and praise you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, boy, my head is just spinning with, uh, the Lord hasn't revealed exactly what my fast is supposed to look like. But one thing that um, I want to encourage you with that is educate yourself um, on physiological. It's just interesting how much, because this is at least my mindset. Maybe it's more clear for you. But when you, you know, the, the American mentality is we live in a world of we can't live without. We can't, well, we can't live without this. We can't live without that. And it's really interesting how much more we can give up that we can live with than what we think we can't because we are such a culture of seeking comforts. Everything about, you know, when you think about all the inventions, all the inventions are about how to make our life easier, you know. Um, I mean, you shouldn't, you should barely have to just, you know, you clap your hands and your lights come on and, and punch one button and your entire meal is cooked and, you know, all these things. And heaven forbid, heaven forbid you not have a my pillow, right? That's on 40,000 times a day. Uh, and what a wonderful story of his company. But anyway, but I thought, what can we live without? And so for those of you that are a little bit nervous or, you, you know, if you've never been, if you've never done a fast before, and I remember how nervous I was um, because I, you know, I don't have... Uh, some of the struggles somebody, some other people have, but I, I have a severe uh, drop in blood sugar. It really affects my energy, and there's things like that, that that I deal with. And so, but what I started to recognize were some of the things I thought I could live without. Like, I did not know. Do you know that according to the American um, Heart Association, all we need per day is 20, well, the, the recommended amount is 25 grams of sugar per day. Now, a little bit more, that's for women, a little bit more for men. But do you know there's 22 grams in one Pop-Tart? There's 56 grams in your typical Gatorade drink. Those Gatorade sport drinks, 56 grams of sugar. Even though they're low calories. It's interesting. It can be low calorie, but it can be crazy high sugar. So it's, it was like, oh, so things that I can't live without, because I've noticed um, there are things that my body, my body will withdraw from. And I'll feel like that's why we, we tell ourselves we can't live without. But when you physiologically begin to educate yourself, it really is amazing what we can live without that, um, that isn't as quite a scary sacrifice. Now, I really believe one thing is true about these fasts. And, and this is where I had to confess yesterday. I, well, no, two days ago I had to confess that I had a wrong attitude about it. 
I stay on Greg all the time about um, his protein intake because you're supposed to have half of your body weight in protein grams. So if you weigh 150 pounds, you should have 75 grams of protein a day. That's just the recommended amount. So I'm always on him about if you have enough protein and supplement with a shake if you can. Well, I knew he was going to do a severe fast. And I reacted physically. I reacted, you know, humanly to it. And I was like, okay, that's, that's not going to be... That's not going to be good for you. I mean, you're, you're not going to have your protein for that length of time. It's going to deteriorate your muscle. You're, it's just, and, and he just kind of looked at me like, we're talking about fasting. You know, <laughs> don't you think that God, you know, the whole point is to sacrifice. Because I'm thinking, okay, but your body needs, but your body needs, but your body needs, but your body needs. And I didn't have that spiritual lens. And so if you are, uh, you know, even, even nurses or, you know, nutritionists, it's just, you can't live without that. You can't live without that. This has got to be a supernatural thing. It's got to be. There is so much more you can sacrifice and trust God for. And I don't know what he, I know he's going to ask me to do. It's a little, I have some, there's some trepidation humanly within me. But, but I do know that at, like Greg described, when you allow God's increase to take you over, the crushing of your flesh can be the most beautiful thing simultaneously while being the most miserable thing. And that is, uh, and I don't, I don't believe for a minute that he is going to have every single day of that fast be miserable. There will be a withdrawal period, probably on certain things, okay? If you have four to six cups of coffee a day and he asks you to lower that or eliminate that, you might, <laughs> you might spend the day in bed with a migraine you've never even heard of. Um, I don't know. But it's got to be a supernatural experience. It's got to be something that, okay, God, I'm going to trust you because you, you will get me through this. So whatever it is, um, be careful not to inject a human mentality of, yeah, but I can't, I can't, I can't even function without that. Cause that's what I have been doing. And I don't know exactly what he's going to ask me to do, but I know he's going to ask me to change that attitude because my destiny that he's called me to is already in that realm of, I, I can't, I can't do that's not, I mean, I, I don't, I can't even function if I do that. And he's trying to tell me, Please, I didn't call you to something you can function in. I called you to something you're going to let me function through. And so that's the, the epiphany that I want us to really get in this fast, is that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not through, through the food, and some of us very healthy eaters. Some not, but some are very healthy eaters here. It's not I can do all things through the healthy food that I steward. Now, in between the fast, yeah, that's what we're supposed to do. But this isn't going to look like that. And I'm still wrapping my brain around that. That's hard for me. It's hard for me. It's almost harder for me to see my loved ones weakened by something and to trust God for them. And by the way, do not be, don't, don't impede, don't be a block on somebody else who's, who's attempting a fast that you're going to see them in some rough days. Don't enable. Let God be God to them. Okay, we step in and try to protect we got we to be careful of that. Let God be God for them. Um, and, and, but, but again, we, we really want to plan this a little bit better. And I think there's so much to know. So begin to pray about this. Say, God, open my eyes to understanding fasting that I, like I've never done before. Because there are a lot of fasts that are, that are preached and taught that are, that are either confusing or they misrepresent the true meaning of fasting. And it is very, um, it is very individual with, with what it looks like in the plan. You can't just project what you do or don't do onto somebody else. Um, but at the same time, the sacrifice is the same. It's got to be a sacrifice. So if it's just a cutting back 
and it's not going to, if it's something you can, you already know, yeah, I, I could, I could handle that. You're probably not fasting the way God wants you to fast. Okay. If that's your approach, if that's your, well, I could, I can, yeah, I think I can eliminate that. I think I can, no, it's got to be God. What is it you want me to do? Really hone in on the voice of God because, um, because I don't know yet what he wants me to do. And I'm, 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 I guess my, my paradigm and what I'm praying for for you guys is just ask God what he wants. And then the way we feel about it is really irrelevant because that's how he's going to be able to be God. Now I want to encourage